Hey, welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast Thursday edition. Patrick Allen joined by my old pal, Matt Verderam, for today's show. We've got a lot to ask, Matt. Uh, of, of course, as you know, formerly fan-sided, now Sports Illustrated. We got to talk about that Thursday game a little bit. Matt and I were both there at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, I was in the fans drinking copious amounts of alcohol. Th- in the in the fa- in the stands drinking copious amounts of alcohol. Thank God. Burr was in the press box. Oh, wow. get to, yeah, uh, you, you you couldn't drink up there. They weren't serving. They were not serving. I was drinking uh, Coke Zero. So that was, <laughs> what it was. But before we get to all of that, and of course we're going to preview the Jaguars Chiefs game this weekend. I've got to let you know that we have got a really sweet deal uh, with PointsBet. So today is the last day to claim our PointsBet sportsbook offer, and this is one you're going to want to get. New users can sign up and place a fifty dollar bet and get a $150 jersey credit from fanatics.com. Even if your first bet loses, you'll still be able to get a new jersey to kick off the season. Claim this offer, go to arrowheadaddict.com slash bets by scanning the QR code on screen or by clicking the link in the description. Sign up at PointsBet through our link and make sure you receive your free jersey credit. That's arrowheadaddict.com forward slash bets. Remember, this offer is ending tonight, so you need to claim it while it's still valid. This is Thursday here. So offers available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in a gambling state. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check out the episode description for the full offer terms. Verderan, welcome back. How you been, sir? Playing lots of pickleball? Uh, yeah, played three hours this morning. I am playing enough that I am not bored. So it's been, it's been good. I'm looking forward to week two, which starts here in a few hours. And... Uh, I'm very curious to see if the Vikings can uh, do anything against the Eagles. They played them week two in Philly last year in uh, prime time, and it did not go well uh, for Minnesota. Yeah, I'm excited about this game. I think it could be um, pretty exciting, at least offensively. There should be, hopefully, lots of scoring. We'll see how the Eagles do against Justin Jefferson. But just a lot of really exciting players that, just as a football fan, I'm I'm excited to watch play Devonta Smith, AJ Brown, yeah. Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson. So a lot of uh, TJ Hawkinson's really good player. So, you know, if you're a fantasy football fan tonight, hopefully you got some of these guys on your team. Should be a, an interesting matchup. Okay. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't play fantasy football. I am like the massive outlier in all this. Yeah. You know, I just, there's so much else going on. I feel like I'm just terrible at it. Like I'm always the guy in the league that forgets to change the lineup. And like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm garbage. When it comes yeah. to this Again, yeah. and many other things, but in, in fantasy football, I'm just terrible. And I feel bad because then people are like, Hey man, it's a money league. And you forgot to change your lineup. I was like, bro, I'm sorry. I don't even know what city I'm in this morning. Right. Like I, I have no idea what's happening. Uh, I just, I enjoy living vicariously through all my buddies who are in one. You know, they're all like, and a lot of them are in like five leagues. I think that's fun. Yeah. And then like, because people know what I do for a living, I'll get some guy at the gym who will come up to me. And be, what do you think about who should I start? I'm like, I wouldn't ask me. I don't know. Like <laughs> right. ask anybody, like anybody in here is probably got a better take than me on fantasy football. Like ask uh, my colleague, Michael Fabiano, who's amazing at this stuff. Yeah. I am not the person you need to go to ever. You're going to get the wrong decision. I, and I, I like it because it gets me to watch other games with a little bit more interest and, follow other players and know a little bit more about the league. I'm in six fantasy football leagues and my God, I realized I'm in so many this year that no matter what happens, I'm I'm either like if one of my players does well, somebody else has that player in one of the other leagues that I'm in. So it's like, I think I'm in too many because I can't, 
like my guy scores and I'm like, well, that's good here, but bad over here and over here. Uh, and I'm, I'm just all conflicted about it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's rough. Too many leagues. Yeah. It's just, there's a lot going on, right? Like it's just, it's always, I feel like it's just, there's, there's so, there is so much going on and then I don't know what the hell's happening. Um, by the way here. So I, I know you, I probably looked a little bit like busy while we were talking and I apologize for that, but I just want to, uh, I, I actually worked on some breaking news this, this morning, which we like just published over at SI, and so I'm tweeting it out and of note to Chiefs fans. So uh, I was speaking with uh, Dean Blandino this morning, who is uh, the Fox Rules Analyst or NFL Rules Analyst for Fox Sports, and it was formerly the Vice President of Officiating. And is you know, it's all handprints are all over the NFL's officiating in the last decade. He told me that the NFL sent out a teaching tape. Uh, which is common. They, they show one out every week, but they, they, you know, like different points of emphasis and whatnot. And the major point of emphasis this week is to crack down on tackles being too far off the line of scrimmage. And mm-hmm. in that tape that they sent out at the end of the tape, there were many examples and more than one were of uh, from Thursday night of Jawan Taylor. So this is something the teams are aware of. The officials are aware of because this teaching tape goes to all the officials and it also goes to all 32 clubs. They now know that this is going to be something that is cracked down on this weekend, uh, starting tonight with Lane Johnson in Philadelphia, who is somebody who gets off the snap very quickly. And I've, I'm told that it's not so much that Taylor or Johnson, who, you know, insert name here, is getting off the line quick. It's that they're not lining up on the ball enough. That you're, The yeah. rule is the helmet has to break the belt line of the center, essentially, at that imaginary line, enough players are not getting up there. It's not just Juwan Taylor. It's all over the league. I was watching the Bengals and the Browns, and it it was happening in that game almost every play. So there's a point of emphasis. Nobody's looking to be too technical on it because, obviously, you don't want to wipe out a 70-yard touchdown pass because some guy's a half inch back from where he should be. But tackles are starting to cheat more and more and more. And my understanding is the NFL is trying to rein that in this week. They've told the players. They've told the coaches. They've told the officials. It is something to watch. They will give warnings before they start throwing flags, but it's something to be watching this weekend. I like that. I like that they're going to give warnings. You know, look, go up to the guy, Juwan. You're 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 getting too much of an advantage. You know, just slide up a little bit, or we're going to flag you. And then if it happens, then it's on the player at that point. Yeah, I you know I, I saw the hubbub. Obviously, we I was in the stadium and I wasn't on Twitter when when we were at the game on Thursday, and then I got back to my hotel and I saw the, all the comments about the false start and the mo- the moving early. Yes. With, it's not the same every snap necessarily, but from what I read, it that's a legal move that for the most part that's happening with Juwan Taylor, right? That he's allowed to sit back on his, he's allowed to lean back on his back foot. He can't fully move and Correct. that's kind of what's happening. He's starting to lean back on his back foot and then the ball gets snapped. So it looks like a false start, but it's just really good timing, right? Yeah, I mean, in a lot of cases, it is. So I, I think, you know, the, the NFL is fine with these guys getting off the line of scrimmage. I mean, as long as the ball's moving, it's not a penalty, obviously. Yeah. The problem is that some of these guys are lining up way off the line of scrimmage. They're back too far. It's a huge disadvantage to defensive ends. And listen, the reality is guys now are faster than they've ever been coming off the edge, and tackles are trying to cheat a little bit, but can't have it happen anymore. Uh, all right, let's let's get into, and we got a lot of great stuff coming up for you. We, we're going to preview Jaguars Chiefs. We're going to talk about the whole Chris Jones situation, get Verderham's perspective on how the deal shook out. And uh, at the end, for Patty's power rankings, we're going to rank 
fast food restaurants, our top three favorite fast food restaurants. So start thinking about yours. We're going to want to hear it in the comments. If this is the first time you're watching the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, my name is Patrick Allen here with my pal, Matt Verderham from Sports Illustrated. Make sure you're liked and subscribed to this YouTube channel so you can get all the Chiefs content we crank out every week. Okay, Verderham, Chiefs lines. I know we, we're getting ready for next week. It's been talked to death, but we haven't heard from you on this one. So I know our audience is really anxious to hear what you think. What the hell happened? I mean, the Chiefs' offense just looked completely crap. I'll tell you what happened. They were missing two Hall of Famers um, <laughs> on each side of the ball. So that, that's part of the problem. But also, let's let's be real here, okay? I did not think the Chiefs played that poorly in that game overall. Like, the defense gave up 14 points to a very good offense. Yeah, I thought the Chiefs actually did a pretty good job of getting some pressure on Goff, affecting some throws. I thought the secondary was very good in coverage for the most part. I thought, you know, special teams, I mean, Bucker hit all his kicks. There's no problem there. Townsend was fine. Uh, their coverage units were fine. I thought the Chiefs, in two-thirds of the game, played really, really well. And on offense, I thought the offensive line did a nice job. The concern you have is twofold. One that I think is not a concern long-term and one that is. The, the one that is not long-term, I, I credited the Chiefs, and of course everybody's different with their stuff with this, but I gave them nine drops in that game, which is absurd. Like having nine, there there are teams that will go nine, go a whole month without having right. nine drops. Okay, so that's that's crazy. I mean, to have nine drops. You know, Tony had four by my count. Uh, Sky Moore had three. McKinnon had one, and I cannot remember. I think I, maybe it was Rice at the other one. I can't remember. If they catch even a couple of those, they win the game. I yeah. mean, you know, how many of them came on third down where they would have, you know, kept going, but instead they had to kick a field goal down and close. They had another one, of course, that went off Tony's hands and became a pick six. It's one of those things where you look at it and go, that's not going to happen week in and week out. Like, they're not they're not going to go out there and drop nine passes every game. And they lost by one point to a team I picked to win the AFC North. So in that regard, I really wouldn't worry about it. Now, the thing that does concern me, but it was a concern last year and the season worked out okay, their short yardage run game is just an atrocity. And it's it's like this every year. And I asked Andy about this after the game. After the game, we were sitting in the press conference, and I asked him point blank, look, the short yardage has been an issue for years, and it hasn't been corrected. Do you ever get to a point where you consider that it's time to, to reintroduce the quarterback sneak to this offense? And he did not answer the part about the sneak and essentially said, look, it's on me. We've been working on this. We've been trying to fix this problem. Obviously, we have to do more work, which is the same thing that Mahomes then said after Andy finished up his availability. I would have asked more players about it, but the Chiefs locker room was open for about five minutes, and then, and then it was shut. And so th- there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity to ask some of the offensive linemen. That is a concern going forward. I mean, you're in third and short. You're in third and inches, and you've got Blake Bell under center, and you're running a jet sweep to Rasheed Rice. You have no chance. Yeah. Like, I don't care how fast Rasheed Rice is. There's nine guys in the line of scrimmage. So that, to me, is the big concern going forward. Yeah, I think it's just a – they're just outthinking themselves. Like, this is just – this is – like, it's great to have some of that stuff occasionally goal line, right? Like, you want to try to show people some different looks. A lot of what Andy tries to do is show one thing, and then he looks like he's doing it again, but then it's something different. And I think that's what they were going for there. But, like, you have a guy you pay to run the football, multiple guys – and you've got Patrick Mahomes back there. So if Blake Bell's back there, right, you're like, they're not throwing it. Right. 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 And so what do you say, though, to the folks that say, well, hey, you, yeah, put the quarterback sneak in there, but you know, run, your, run Blaine Gabbard out there if you're going to do that so that Mahomes doesn't get hurt? Um, or what's the difference if you put Travis Kelsey or Blake Bell to run the sneak? Does it have to be Mahomes in your eyes? What's the advantage of having him back there to do it? I, I think the only, the only advantage is he's big. That's it. 
But that's the advantage. She's a big, but like my problem with it is you've at some point you've got to just say it, it's okay. Like Mahomes got hurt on a random play four years ago sneaking the football. It's it's okay. Like you can run it again. He's not his leg isn't going to get amputated because you're on a quarterback sneak. He has gone on record saying he would like to run quarterback sneaks. You have Blaine Gabbert, who I believe is six five. Can he not fall over? Uh, it's just incredible. It is the highest percentage play, the highest percentage play in the NFL, and the Chiefs don't run it. It's crazy. That play changed that game. I'm not saying it was the biggest play in the game. I would think the pick six probably was the biggest play in the game. Or you could argue one of those two drops late when Mahomes you know, hit Tony and hit more and it doesn't work out. But like, it's just, look, this isn't hard here. Yeah, This isn't hard. Yeah, And I, and I, don't, I don't understand – why the Chiefs are so hesitant. I get it in that season he got hurt. Okay, cool. I get that. It's crazy not to do – I mean, you're four years removed. Yeah. That to me is the big – I'm not worried about them dropping balls. I'm not worried about – I'm worried about the fact that on third and a yard, they have two tall quarterbacks on the roster. They've got a great interior offensive line. They can't pick up a foot yeah. because they're, they're so terrified to run a normal play there. If you're and by the way, look, if you're not gonna run a sneak, then just line up with some power and hand it off to Pacheco. And if you can't get a foot, you deserve to lose the game. Okay. Yeah. I mean, or if you're if you're that terrified to run the ball, then just go spread. Right. Then just go spread and fine. Then dink it off to some guy for two yards. But to, to sit there and run a Blake Bell under center is just absolutely insane. Yeah. And when have you ever seen anybody get hurt? On a quarterback sneak, except for that one time. So, like, the odds of it happening again are astronomical. It was a freak thing. It's just stupid. It's stupid. And if you've got him back there, you've got to worry about a lot of stuff, in my opinion, right? He might sneak it, but he also can back up and and throw it um, really accurately. He can run, right? So, you can run play action out of it. Like, there's just so many different things that you can do. And, They've done some sprint option things and stuff like that. Like, just put Mahomes in the game and and just yeah. hand it to Pacheco and let him get the damn first down. It's it's completely absurd. And hopefully that it's happening early in the season. Hopefully that's the wake up call for them that they're like, we gotta, we okay, enough's enough. Yeah, I gotta tell you, I don't think it's gonna be a wake up call because uh, they've been waiting for three years for a wake up call and they just refuse to answer that call. I I mean, but it's it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and and again, I mean, I asked Andy. Point blank in the presser after the game. You watch that press back, you can probably hear it. Like, what like what is the game plan with this? Yeah. And he just wouldn't touch the the sneak thing. It's it's crazy. It's I'm sorry. Like that is that is malpractice to not do that. Put Gabbard in the game. Dude, that horrified him. Mahomes getting hurt. Fine. Let Blaine fall forward for six inches. Like I right. and by the way, you watched the Eagles do this last year like like crazy. Over 90%. Put Allegretti behind Gabbard and just have him mash forward for a yard. Right. I don't see how hard this is. It's crazy that they don't do it, but they they don't they don't believe it. It's it's bananas. So all right. The the Lions game, obviously a, a a huge letdown for the Chiefs. You raise the banner. This is a team that you're better than. Yes, you don't have Travis Kelsey. Yes, you don't have Chris Jones, but it ends up still being a winnable football game for you. In your opinion, how damaging was that loss to the Chiefs? I don't think it is damaging. I really don't. I mean, look, I, I think it also is not damaging based on what happened the rest of the weekend where yeah. uh, the, the Chargers are just a tragedy of a football team. Um, I mean, that that's that's a train wreck. That's just – they have like 540 yards of offense at home. Okay, Consider the following with the Chargers. 
Um, the Chargers at home created two red zone turnovers, were the beneficiaries of a mixed extra point, and still gave up 36 points and lost the game. That that's that's tough to do. That's yeah. a really tough thing to do. And I don't have the stats in front of me. I'm pretty sure the Chargers didn't turn the ball over. So they're plus two in the ratio. Um, but th- they lose. Okay. They lose. And then you get the Bills with a game that I wrote a column about at that NSI. I just killed them for. I mean, that that's one of the worst losses I've ever seen a good team have. Did you write about them not uh, declining that penalty on third down, on fourth down that would uh, it would have backed up the Jets and the Jets got a field goal? I didn't. No, I, I wrote. About, I wrote about the fact that, like, like the, and I. I don't know if I mentioned this in the piece, but the Bengals' loss doesn't bother me. Like, it, it, look, they, they got killed. Fine. It was in a rainstorm. Burrow hasn't practiced in a month and a half, but they're going to be fine. Okay, I know Chiefs fans don't want to hear that, but the Bengals are going to be fine. I'd be shocked unless unless Burrow is still hurt or something, and like that's a big concern. But as long as he's healthy, they'll be fine. Okay, they'll they'll win their twelve games. The Chargers losing that game meant nothing to me because that's who they are. They're the Chargers. They're going to go nine and eight. They're going to lose five more games like that. Like that's just who they are. I don't consider them a contending team. I didn't even pick them to make the playoffs. Yeah. The Jets, of course, had the biggest loss of the week because even though they won the game, I mean, your your, your season's over. Okay, you're not winning the Super Bowl with Zach Wilson. So you have that. The, the Chiefs' loss to answer the question in a roundabout way, obviously. It really doesn't bother me in the sense, look, they didn't have Kelsey, they didn't have Jones, they don't have a Menahu. They played a good team, they played a non-conference team, and really they beat themselves. I mean, they they played fine in most facets. Like If they don't drop the ball like crazy in that game, they win. The Bills' loss bothered me more than any other team who's a contender losing that game because they have lost so many games like it in the last three years. Poor coaching. That game, they led or were tied almost the entire game. In fact, they were the entire game until the last two minutes. Other than Allen running on his own accord, they called 16 running plays that entire game against Zach Wilson with a lead. Like I, I don't understand it. As far and Allen, I'm not giving him a pass on this either. I've seen people like, well, they need more talent. How much more talent does he need? No man. Did bad. Jerry Rice come out of retirement and line up opposite of Diggs? Like, what, what does he need? Terrible. That game had nothing to do with a lack of talent. Yeah. That game had to do with I'm going to be a hero in this game, and he throws three dumb picks, has a stupid fumble where he should have just fell on the ball. And he picks it up and starts running and has a Sanchez moment and runs into his own guy and fumbles. Like, look, at some point, that's just on you, man. Like, that's on you. It's on your coaching staff. That loss, like, they'll be fine. They'll make the playoffs. But I guarantee, like, that, that is a kind of a loss that you look at them and go, yeah, that's why they'll lose in January. Because yeah. he'll do that twice and they'll run the ball nine times and they'll lose. They're just I, not as well coached as the other big contenders. When he dove, when he dove for the first down, when he was like eight yards away from the first down marker and he just, Dove as high as he could between two defenders and, and belly flopped. And the throw in the, you know, he has not learned what Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow have learned over the last couple of years, which are teams are going to, they know about his arm. They know he likes to go downfield. They're not going to let him do it. And he's still just chucking it down there, trying to get these big hero plays. And until he learns to to do what Mahomes and Burrow have done, which is just take what the defense has given you, they're gonna they're gonna keep having this happen over and over and over again. And you would have think that he would have learned it last year because that's what teams are doing to him. I agree. I but you know what? He just uh, he just he just doesn't learn from his mistakes. He does not learn. From, I mean, this has been he leads the league in turnovers last year, and then comes out and does this. Like you just can't. That's an impossible game to lose. That is an impossible game to lose. Sit on the ball. Sit on the ball. Run the ball. Who cares? Who cares? There's no way. There's no way 
in, a, in the world that you're losing that game if you don't turn the ball over. And they just couldn't stop. And it finally bit them. All right. Um, last question I have for you on Chiefs lines. Obviously, Tony forced back into action. Hasn't hasn't had a camp. Rushed back from a knee injury. Looked looked good. He was getting open, but just couldn't catch the ball. You know, you can give him uh, drops. Haven't been a problem for him in his career, really. So you can give him the rust on that one. But what about the rest of the wide receiver core in that game? It seemed like they did have some trouble getting open. They also had drops. And do you think that? Andy maybe played them. He usually he didn't play the starters as much in the preseason as he has in in years past. Do you think that factored into a little bit of sloppiness here? No, I think I mean look, Tony missed all of preseason with, with the knee injury. So I think for him, not that I'm excusing it, but I think that's probably a huge part of it. Um Sky Moore, he has no excuse. And I saw today some quote of his that like he he lacked focus. Like, yeah, I just think our room lacked focus. You lacked focus. It's week one. Yeah. And the, you fumbled like crazy last year, and now you have a starting gig, and you weren't focused? That's not great. Like, I'm more concerned about Sky more than I am about Tony. Tony, to me, as bad as that was, he didn't practice all summer, and he was getting open. Now, he was terrible, but – I at least can point to like a couple of, you know, silver linings, if you want to call them that. What is the silver lining with Sky Moore? I mean, it wasn't like he was running wide open. And on fourth and 25, that ball is, I mean, that's one of the best throws Mahomes ever made in his life. It's some rightness and he drops the ball. Like, I don't, I think the one thing that I would tell Chiefs fans they ought to feel pretty good about, if those guys don't pick it up, they got a lot of other receivers they're going to put out there. Like, because you know, one thing that got lost in that game because of all this other stuff, Rasheed Rice played pretty well. Yeah. He was getting open. I was watching him from the press box. He ran some routes even when he didn't get the ball. He was getting open. He was doing a nice job. You know, that touchdown, he stayed alive there. You know, that was a long developing play of Mahomes at time. And he did a nice job sitting down in the zone. I think, like, if you're the Chiefs, that was encur- like, not just because he scored a touchdown, just in general. That was an encouraging outing for Rasheed Rice. He's going to get more snaps based off that game. Yeah. The one guy I'd like to see get more snaps is Justin Ross. I, I don't know. Look, maybe some of that is he was great in the preseason, and sometimes it doesn't always translate, and that's fine. But, like, that kid is a freak show, athletically. Yep. And I got to tell you, nothing against Sky Moore, but, like, he's not that. He's not – like, if Sky Moore is going to be good in the NFL, it's going to be because he runs great routes and he's got really good hands. Because he doesn't have blazing speed, he doesn't have huge size, which is fine. You can be a very successful receiver and not have those things. But if you're not catching the ball well, if you're not running your routes precisely, that's a problem. And as many people who do Chiefs film on Twitter have shown, there were a lot of times, and this isn't just Sky Moore, how many times the two just running into each other? I'm just yeah. blatantly fly. I had no idea where they were supposed to be. That is, that is a bigger problem to me than the drops. you got to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, definitely a little bit of concern. But game one, early in the season, We've seen the Chiefs start a little slow and a little wonky before, and then they always figure it out. If you're if you're panicking, I said this uh, earlier in the week when we talked about the Chris Jones stuff, if you're panicking, you haven't been watching this team since Andy Reid came to town. They're going to be all right. Okay, so let's, let's talk about this Chris Jones situation. I know nobody really wants to talk about the Chris Jones situation anymore, but I think it, we should ask you how you think it all worked out. I mean, obviously, Jones used all the leverage he had all the way through a game and the chiefs obviously weren't backing down, 
My contention on this was that it was a massive win for Brett Veach and for the Chiefs and a massive L for Chris Jones and for his agents because now he has to earn back money he would have gotten anyway with incentives and his agents kind of look a little bit like clowns regardless of whether or not it's their fault. I mean, it could have just been Jones refusing to, to take any deal that they got him. But how do you think how, how do you think this all played out? And do you think Chris Jones is going to be a chief next year? I know he's going to be a chief next year. I'm not even going to get into that because I just don't know. I mean, we got to play out this whole season and see where everything's at. I think it's possible. I think it's very possible. Um, look, that's one of the worst holdouts I've ever seen. There's there's no I'm, – I'm not even going to mince words with this. That was – so unbelievably pointless. Um, th- you can't characterize this. It's like, well, you know, they both kind of won. He didn't win anything. He lost money. Okay, now he may make it back. He may make it up. But, like, he lost. He was guaranteed X, and X went down by $3.5 million. Okay, so now he's got to go out and get that money back. And I've seen a lot of people say, well, you know, it's an easy incentive. 50% of the snaps, $2 million. Yeah, if he's healthy, absolutely. You know he's going to get the time. What if, he? What if God forbid, he gets hurt? Like, yeah. then it's not that easy. 10 sacks, I don't care how great of a player you are. That's a lot of sacks. Like that's a, It's not easy. It's not going to be easy to do. Um, and 15, certainly, is not easy to do. He's only done it twice in his career, which, of course, is amazing for a defensive tackle, but it's still very hard. I thought his agent said him a disservice, and I'm not going to sit here and, and try to sugarcoat that. I thought the Cats brothers did him a disservice with this. I think they should have said, hey, look, you want to skip camp? Fine. But know that there's a real chance that this didn't, this isn't going to work out. Now, I'm not in that room. Maybe they told him that, and he said, I'm willing to take that gamble. And if that's the case, fair enough. But if, as agents, I think it is your job to tell your client the facts of the matter and, and push them toward the best financial decision. I mean, I, I am not Chris Jones, but I have an agent. And whenever anything comes up that's business-related, I, I rely on her to – basically tell me what's right and what's not because she should know the market and she knows what's going on. And that's a much smaller scale than what Chris Jones is talking about, right? I mean, we're not talking about millions and millions of dollars with me. Um, I think that he could have made his point just as well by holding in and not giving up any money. And I think it would have been harder on the Chiefs because he would have been there every day. It would have been awkward. I think there would have been more pressure on Brett Veach had he been there every day. But because he wasn't, even though it was still a distraction, he wasn't there. It was a lot easier for the Chiefs to go, at some point he's going to have to come back. He's losing money. Um, as for next year, look, I I think they're going to tag him. I think that's what's going down the road because they've got a ton of cap space and they can easily do it. And they can even add almost the full tags worth of cash space. Not quite, but a lot of it, more than half of it, by triggering Mahomes' contract should they want to. So I think they tag him. And if you're Chris Jones, you don't have a whole lot of leverage with that because he's going to be 30 in July. And so if you're the Chiefs and you go, hey, look, we'll give you this same deal, same deal we offered you before, right? Two and 54. Okay, two and 54 and a half. Do you want to play on the tag? You want to do another holdout? Now, if he held out in this case, you wouldn't be losing money until he missed the game check, essentially, right? Because if you're on a tag, you're not in the contract, and so on and so forth. But, like, I think there's still a very decent chance he's back at the Chiefs next year. I do. Uh, but I thought this was just totally mishandled. Totally mishandled. And I actually feel bad for Chris Jones. I think he just was 
mishandled throughout this whole process, to be totally honest with you. Yeah, the thing was is he was always going to lose because the deck stacked against him. The yep. Chiefs have the tag coming up. They, they he they have the fines in their in their back pocket that that, that are going to activate all of those things. So it, it, he just ran out the clock. He might have made things a little uncomfortable for them, but Brett Veach knew he's probably not going to miss a game. And and when he did miss the Lions game, at that point, like you're just insane if you stay out any further than that because you're going to lose so much money that even if you got the deal that you wanted, if he sat out eight games. He ended up, and the Chiefs were, they were $7 million apart or something. He, he ended up with a losing right. all the money anyway. So it didn't make any sense. So Brett Veach knew that. Brett Veach knew he had to come back. And so he had all the leverage. So at a certain point, his agent should have said, and maybe they did, take, the, take their best offer. That we've, we've done everything. This is what we've got. And you said this the last time you were on the show, and I've repeated it multiple times since. You said this is Chris Jones' best chance to get paid. He's coming off an all-pro season, won the Super Bowl, 15 and a half sacks. He just turned 29. This is it. He's not, unfortunately for Chris, he's not an unrestricted free agent where the market probably would have driven up his price higher. He's under contract with the Chiefs. He had he they just had him over a barrel. And now, even if he repeats what he did last year, which he almost certainly will not, because that's really hard to do. He's a year older now. Right? Even if he goes and gets 20 sacks this year, teams are still going to be like, yeah, but he's 30. You know what I mean? Like They're, they're, they're going to factor that in. It's tough. He, he's not having, I don't care how great he is this year, like the odds that he's going to have a better year this year than last year are rough. Okay, He had 15 and a half sacks last year, was third in defensive player of the year voting. He was still in his 20s, and they won the Super Bowl. Right? Like The odds you're going to do better than that Good luck. And he's not going to be in his 20s this offseason. Well, part of this offseason. He's turned 30 in July. So, to me, I don't understand how, if you're his representation, you just don't drive this money as far as you can on the extension. And it's, all right, cool. I mean, $54.5 million. It's a lot of money. They did not short you. And and look, the way the other part of this, too, and we don't have to go down this road because I I don't have the energy for it. The (laughs) The way this was framed in some corners of the world made no sense. Nobody looks at contracts and says, hey, two-year extension for 54 and a half, well, it's really three and 74 because of the existing year. Nobody does that. Nobody is looking at Joe Burrow's five-year, $275 million extension and factoring in his two years remaining on his rookie contract. No one is doing that because that's crazy. Nobody looks at money like that in the NFL. I talk to agents every day of my life. Nobody in the NFL looks at an annual average value and includes the contract that you're working from. You're looking you're looking at the AAV based on what the new money is. Yeah. Of course, like and the idea look, and that was all fabricated because it was always like, well, Aaron Donald, they ripped up his contract. That is one of the rare, rare, rare instances where that's ever happened. And the reason the Rams ripped up his contract was because Aaron Donald just won a Super Bowl and basically said, guys, I'm retiring unless you do it. And he's their version of Patrick Mahomes. So they were like, whatever you want, man. If Patrick Mahomes went to the Chiefs tomorrow and said, rip up my contract or I'm retiring, Brett Veach would have have scissors out in a second. Right. Whatever you need, man. However it works. So it's just – the way it was framed was was not – entirely. I mean, it was accurate in the sense that that would have been the full breadth of the contract. 
but it wasn't accurate since nobody in the league looks at contracts like that. It's all based off new money. The Chiefs offered him $27.25 million per year for two years, fully guaranteed. They didn't take it, which is very right not to do, but that was between Quinn Williams and Aaron Donald because Quinn Williams was at 24 and Aaron Donald was at 31.6. The Chiefs came in. Maybe you want to say they could have made it 28. Okay, fine. They didn't. 27 and a quarter. And uh, Jones didn't take it, which is fine. I didn't have to, but that would have been a hell of a lot better of a deal, in my opinion, than what he's currently uh, playing off of right now. Yeah, it's a tough break for Chris. And I, I'll just the last thing I'll say on it is that it really works out well for the Chiefs because now the Chiefs essentially have him in another contract year. And so if he yeah, plays terribly, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It is a contract year, right? Even though they can franchise him. So either he, he wants to demonstrate his value to the Chiefs for the next couple of years or to another team if the Chiefs tag him and trade him, he needs to have value for a team to want to do that. So um, yeah, it's it's great for the Chiefs because now he's got to continue to perform at a high level. In fact, he has to perform at a high level just to get the money back that he would have earned if he'd just shown up to camp. And that was a gift by the Chiefs, by the way. Those incentives in there, yeah, that was the Chiefs saying, you're, we know you're going to play 50% of the snaps, so we're going to get you this money from training camp back. We're going to help you if you can. That was, that was the Chiefs like, it was bad. Like, you know, the, he didn't get anything in this in this deal. Oh, no, it's rough. Veach, yeah. look, there's no way of dancing around this. Veach took them to the cleaners on this. Yeah. I mean, they're now now look, the, the downside for Veach is they didn't sign him long term. Okay, right. so it's not like he got everything he wanted. But yeah, if you're if you're the if you're the Cats brothers and you're Veach and we're, you're scoring this like it's a fight, yeah, that I mean, it it didn't go well for the Cats brothers. I mean, it, yeah. they lost money essentially. Okay, and if I'm Chris Jones, I'm pissed. Um, by the way, speaking of being pissed, on a complete side note, have you been following this thing that's been going on up in Buffalo with Stephon Diggs and the team reporter up there? Oh, not um, the team reporter. I know there's been some some strife with him and Josh Allen. No. So, like, yesterday, a hot mic at the press conference before – I think it was before the actual presser where they were bringing out some of the players. Um, and I won't, I won't use their names. It doesn't matter. But – um. The Bills team reporter was caught on a hot mic, essentially saying that Stephon Diggs is extremely difficult to work with and, and so on and so forth. Um, was pretty critical of, of Stephon Diggs' character. Um, she ended up issuing an apology yesterday on Twitter. Um, and now Diggs just released like one, two, three, five tweets about this whole thing that he said, the audio shared is very hurtful and was insulting to my character and to how I was raised. I've always treated people how I want to be treated. I greet everyone with smiles and respect from the people in our cafe to the people that keep our building in clean and in order. The media or fans may confuse my competitiveness that they witness on the field as who I am as a person, but off the field, I'd never treat anyone how she described and have never said anything remotely close to that to her. Um, she basically insinuate well she didn't insinuate she said on the hot mic that he said no f you essentially um and then he continued on i don't know why it was said but this is an example of why people don't want to deal with the media it's hard to fight the preconceived notions people have about you regardless of ever having a personal experience with them we get you all have a job and i respect it but remember i'm a human just like you and if i made you or anyone else feel like you can't approach me i apologize time to lock back in forward focused so things are going great in buffalo um, I, I mean, it, I, look, I don't know Stefan Diggs personally. I've talked to him twice in my life. We've had him on the podcast here. Uh, well, when I was at Fansided twice. Um, he was 
great to work with. I now I, again, I don't work with them every day. I'm not covering the Bills beat, so I'm, I'm not uh, passing judgment one or the other. But it's not great. It's not great if you're the Bills who uh, have had all this stuff go on this offseason. Then you lose to Zach Wilson, one of the most mind numbing games you'll ever see, and then. Um, your team reporter gets caught on a hot mic, essentially just just taking your star receiver to task, and now your star receiver is saying, "Well, she's a liar." So uh, things are good. Things are good. Yeah, going great, going great in the Northeast. Uh, all right, let's let's get to this Chiefs Jaguars game. It's it, it's been so long since the Chiefs opened the season on Thursday. Uh, we've been waiting a long time for more Chiefs football, and it really sucks when you want to wash a bad taste out of your mouth, like like we all have from the Lions game as Chiefs fans. So this is a chance, but it's not going to be an easy task. Chiefs are going to be on the road against the playoff team that they handled pretty easily in two games that they played last year. Um, look, here's the line. I'll give you the background details on this. Chiefs at Jaguars. It's the noon kick. Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point favorites right now. The over-under is 51. Jaguars, of course, are 1-0. and oh. They had a 31-21 win over the Colts, who were starting a rookie quarterback last week. Now, the Colts were leading that game, I should note. 21 to 17 with about 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then when you have great players like Trevor Lawrence, things usually tend to work out pretty well in your favor. And the right. the Jaguars closed that one. Um, how just, just from a broad spectrum here, like how, how concerned are you about this game with the chiefs being zero and one and not having as much margin for error as they might, if they had gotten care, you know, taken care of the lines. Yeah. I mean, I would say there's a, a moderate level. Of, of concern um i wouldn't i would not go crazy i would not go over the top and say i think there is all of a sudden now got to be a panic i didn't think if they lose this game it should be a panic because they have the bears and the jets the next two weeks should be fine um but i would say that i do think uh look this is a team where jacksonville can score points and if the chiefs don't play well on defense they're in trouble now the good news is they played very well against a very good uh, offense in week one and last year when they played Jacksonville they were very good in both games defensively so I do think that there's real reason to look at this and go yeah I think I think they can be fine uh, of course Calvin Calvin Ridley's now with the Jags played very well week one the Chiefs are the better team I mean they're favored they're on the road like the Chiefs are literally better in all three phases of the game they're better I mean Jacksonville's normal advantage is that they have a better offense and a better quarterback and a better coach and none of that is true against Kansas City so yeah. I don't care that the that, they have to go play in Jacksonville. You know, there's going to be a lot of Chiefs fans at the game. Um, the Chiefs don't care. I mean, I, it's not with all due respect to, to Duval. It's it's not like going to Mile High in the '90s. Okay, like they good home environment, but I think the Chiefs can handle it. I just think this is about the offense getting back in rhythm in the passing game, and the defense to build off of what it did last week. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you what, and we'll talk about the defense in a second here. But if they can, you know. Get Chris Jones back. He's probably not going to play every snap in this game, but they may use him situationally. That defense did look very strong. So how how do you stop? I, obviously, top of the list, if you're the Chiefs, Trevor Lawrence, they added Calvin Ridley, who went off in, in week one, looked like his old self, and Travis Etienne. How do you think the Chiefs are going to try to attack these guys? I mean, honestly... It's not, it's not a defense you're that scared of. It really isn't. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to just throw the football at them, quite honestly. I mean, if you look at the Jags, this is not a group that you're overwhelmed by on defense, okay? I mean, you're talking about 
Tyson Campbell and Darius Williams and Trey Herndon at the corner. No disrespect to any of those guys, but that's not exactly a star-studded room with corners. All right. I mean, Rayshon Jenkins and Andre Cisco, they're like Cisco's a big hitter. We know this. Um I would say, if anything, with their defense, their their linebackers are pretty good. You know, Olakun, at Devin Lloyd, checking your kid, former first round pick. But I think for the Chiefs, like you're you're willing to go after them, throwing the ball. I mean, this is this is not a group with a great pass rush. I mean, Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker last year he struggled and he had a sack in his first game here against Indianapolis. Indianapolis's offensive line is terrible. Like if I'm the Chiefs, I, I'm I'm throwing. Them. I, I'm I'm throwing the ball in this game, and I'm making Jacksonville beat my offensive line, and I'm making them cover. And I, I just think if you're the Chiefs, you have no problem turning this game into a little bit of a track meet here. I, I don't. The Chiefs have far better corners with Jones back. They have a much better pass rush. Like if I'm Kansas City, I'm not worried about throwing the ball against Jacksonville. That that should be something they can do. Uh, with a lot of success. And if you go back and you look at last year's games, and of course, listen, I, every team's different. I understand this. But, you know, last year, the, the Chiefs were able to move the ball a ton. So in the regular season game, you know, the Chiefs went 27 to 17. Jacksonville scored a late touchdown. It was basically 27 to 10. Mahomes went 26 to 35 for 331 and four touchdowns. I mean, just lit them up. Okay. Kelsey had six catches and 81 yards and a touchdown. MVS had three for 60 and a touchdown. Kadarius Tony had four for 57 and a touchdown. McKinnon had six for 56. The, the Chiefs, they put it on a pretty good in that game. Now, you fast forward to the playoff game. Okay, now that, of course, is a game where Mahomes was, was hurt some. But the Chiefs in that game still threw for three touchdowns, went 27 to 37, only 218. Again, obviously, the injury playing a big part in that. But in that game, they ran for 144 yards and 4.8 yards per attempt. And Kelsey had 14 catches for 98 yards and two touchdowns. Tony played well again. He had five receptions. So to me, like if I'm the Chiefs, I'm putting the ball in the air. Not to say they can't run it. Obviously, they ran it last year in the playoffs, and they ran it well, and that's fine. But if I'm Kansas City – I'm not worried. And by the way, for people wondering if they ran it well in the first game, they ran for 155 yards on 5.7 yards per attempt. The Chiefs do whatever they want to do against Jacksonville both those games. So if I'm Kansas City, I'm balanced, but yeah, I'm, I'm throwing the football. What do you think the odds are that the very first offensive play of the game for the Chiefs is a pass to Kadarius Tony? High. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to try to get that taste out of his mouth like yeah. immediately. Um I also think, look, if Kelsey plays, which I think he will, um, based on what you see and what you hear, um, I, I think the Chiefs are just, you know, look, they're the Chiefs. They're going to feature him. You know that's coming. Um, even if it's like on a little bit more of a limited basis, like that's what they do. So look, I think the Chiefs are going to try and do everything they possibly can to spread that ball around. And, you know, look, Mahomes in his career, if he has time, it's usually over. I mean, last week it didn't work out because they dropped nine passes, all right? If they if they catch half those, he throws to 300 yards and he doesn't have Kelsey. So I, I think if you're the Chiefs, you feel like you can you should be able to block Jacksonville. I mean, let's just be honest about it. You should be able to block Jacksonville in this game. Um, if you can, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to throw it all over the place. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, it was – it was- you want it to be fluky. It was fluky against the Lions, who also don't have the murderer's row of defenses. But the Chiefs were without Kelsey, and everybody else was 
on, on you know catching the ball is just terrible. They didn't run the ball particularly well either against the Lions. Only averaged 3.9 yards per carry, and that was with Mahomes rushing six times for 45 yards. They were just doing a lot of subbing in and out. Pacheco had eight carries. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had six. Um, we didn't see a lot of uh, Jarek McKinnon in this game. How do you think the Chiefs will proceed in that way? And they were doing the same thing with the receivers, by the way. They were package in, package out. Do you think a lot of that switching guys in and out too much keeps guys from getting into a rhythm, keeps Mahomes from getting into a rhythm with the I receivers? I do. I do. I think they kind of have to shorten the bench a little bit here. You know, like shit in the NBA, right? I mean, where it's like, okay, you know, you got to – maybe you're playing 10 guys. It's hard. It's hard to get into a rhythm. Um, I, I, and they will. They will. This, to me, is one of those games for the Chiefs. If you got to put a little something on tape, fine. Do it. Yeah. Because if you win this game, your schedule going up forward the next six weeks is advantageous, in my opinion. Bears at home. Then the Jets, which looked like a really hard game. Now you got Zach Wilson. Should win that game. Then you got Minnesota. It's a road game, fair enough. Like you should win that game. I mean, they're they're significantly better than Minnesota. Minnesota defensively is is a team that's gonna blitz a ton and has no real true proven corners. And then you get Denver, the Chargers, Denver. Like you could really do some damage. So I'm not going to have a heart attack if they lose, and they could lose. But I think if you're the Chiefs and you win this game, all of a sudden you could very well be looking at six and two, seven and one. I really do. I think that's, um, I, I think that's totally possible. And this is a game where I would expect that the Chiefs maybe open it up a little bit, especially if Kelsey plays. I mean, that is kind of the pivot point here. Why do you think they're running Clyde Edwards-Alaire out there so much in that first game? Is it just are they trying to ease Pacheco back in because of the shoulder thing? Um, yeah, I think pro- that's a big part of it. You know, I mean, he's a guy who he didn't practice a lot of a lot with contact in the, in the preseason, and you know, Pacheco's such a physical player that you kind of want to protect him from himself a little bit. And so, yeah, I think you know there there is some of that. Look, Clyde edwards alaire they just they they cannot continue to run him out here. I, I'm sorry, there was a play, and I know a lot of Chiefs fans here will know what I'm talking about. It was early in the game. It was the first quarter. And they ran a stretch to the right. And I'm telling you from the press box, when I, guys, I'm not exaggerating. When I say there was a hole you could drive a truck through, I mean, literally. Like everybody in the press box was like, oh, like you could see. I mean, there was nothing but green grass in front of him, except for one safety about 15, 20 yards away. And he ran straight into like three offensive linemen and fell over for a game of one. I mean, it was, look, it, it, if, if Jamal Charles is back there, he's still running. If Pacheco's back there, it's an 80-yard touch. Like, there was nobody other than one poor safety who had to guard against like 40 yards of open space. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire ran right into his center and guard and fell over. Like, I I don't know what you do with that. Like, there's no – you can't coach that. You either – you have vision or you don't. Look, I, it's not – to me, it's not a matter of effort. It's not a matter of like whether or not he cares – it's just some guys don't have good vision. They just don't. And he does not have good – like that is – to me, it was always the most underrated thing about Jamal Charles. Yeah, he had speed. He had amazing – he was yeah. so good at being able to just find the crease. Now, in this case, it wasn't a crease. It was a cavern. And and Clyde Ozar still didn't find it. But it was I, – I think if you're the Chiefs, you, you got to get away from that. Even if it means playing McKinnon a little bit more, maybe you split there. Fine. But you got to go that route. One thing I did find exciting in this game is that they threw four passes 
to, or he had four, four receptions. Yeah. Four targets for Isaiah Pacheco for 31 yards. Right. That I think is, is exciting that they're opening up that part of his game. They must trust him a little bit more in pass protection maybe than they did last year. And now he's got a year under his belt. So, and, and, there's probably a little bit of them that they would like to kind of keep McKinnon fresh and healthy for the latter part of the season. So that may be why they're, you know, we talked about it um, on this podcast and probably when you've been on the show, Hey, you know, maybe like there's no reason to get rid of Clyde Edwards, Alaire, like, you know, keep him on the roster. You need a body. He's a talented back, you know, just play out this contract. It wasn't, it's as Sterling would say a sunk cost, but play out the contract. And so maybe that's what we're seeing a little bit here is there's a lot of attrition at this position. So they're going to rotate CEH in and get their money's worth at least. Um, but yeah, some of those, some of those reads, not great. How do you stop this, this passing game? If you're the chiefs and this one, you're obviously getting Chris Jones back. That's going to help, but Calvin Ridley looked really good. Um, and that's not to speak like Christian Kirk is a good player. Um, yeah. They, oh, yeah. they can throw the ball now. They yeah. got a great offense. Jacksonville's yeah. offense. So they're, in my opinion, still somewhat underrated nationally. Like Ridley, I did a film breakdown for Sports Illustrated. Uh, I believe it went up Thursday. Uh, or, excuse me, today's Thursday. I believe it went up Wednesday. Uh, Ridley's a stud, man. I mean, he was all over the tape. You could not miss him. Christian Kirk remains a really, really good player. Like, and I think he's in his role now, right? Like he to his credit, he was fine as a number one last year, but I think he's a really good number two. Uh Zay Jones was a number two last year. I think he's an okay number two. He's a really nice number three. Made and a then hell you of have a catch Ingram. Yeah. For it, a touchdown last yeah. Week. Oh, crazy, crazy yeah. catch. And then you have Evan Ingram, and you've got Travis Etienne, who's an excellent runner. So and, and can catch the ball as well out of the backfield. So they are look, they are really, really good. With all their weaponry and Lawrence, to me, I did my quarterback rankings, which did go out today. I have him third in the NFL. Like I, the only quarterbacks I have in front of him are Mahomes and Burrow. That's it. And, and so I, I think Lawrence right now is playing elite football, great offensive mind in Doug Peterson. I, I love the way Jacksonville plays offense. They're a lot of fun to watch. One of my favorite teams to watch. Um, I would say that right now, if there's any concern, it's the line. You know, Brandon Sheriff came back to practice today on limited capacities. A star guard. Uh, center, same thing. Didn't practice on Wednesday. Limited on Thursday. We'll see if they're able to to go forward this week. Although even having a limited practice at least gives you some hope that they can go this week. Um, Cam Robinson is suspended, so you you do have he, he out of the lineup. Anton Harrison, their first round pick out of Oklahoma, he's going to be there uh, starting with Walker Little on the edges. So that's a concern, right? Is your offensive line Jacksonville's offensive line? How does it hold up? That's going to be key. We know with Jacksonville, it tends to be a Quick, rhythmic passing game. Uh, that's the way Peterson plays. So I think offensively for the Chiefs, you're not afraid to match up with McDuffie one-on-one. McDuffie's proven that he can do that. Sneed, same thing. Now, look, you might, you're going to mix up looks. You're going to play some zone. You're going to play some cover one, cover two. You're going to play a lot of man underneath that at times. And well, you know what? The Chiefs are going to pick their spots with their blitzes, um, and they're going to try to get home with four. I mean, I don't think I'm telling anybody any shocking news here. Like Chris Jones against a banged up interior is going to be interesting. Um, I would imagine he's going to be going full throttle in this game. I know they've been like, well, you know, we'll see how many plays he, he goes. I have a feeling you see a lot of Chris Jones on Sunday. Um, Jacksonville's going to have to handle him. And if they can, uh, they have a much better chance of, of winning a game. I think, look, if they win, it's going to be a shootout. I don't see a world where this is 24 to 21. 
I, I think this is a game that is probably if Jacksonville wins in the 30s and if Kansas City wins, it's probably something like 30 to 27, you know, something of that range. Jacksonville's a very good team. Jacksonville's a very good team. Um, and I, I think offensively they they will move the ball. They they have all the talent in the world to do it. And it's a crucial game for the Chiefs. Obviously, if you're going to lose a game and you're a team like the Chiefs and you have a shot at the number one seed, you want to lose to an NFC team where it's not going to factor into tiebreakers against other AFC teams. They did that. They got that out of the way. But losing to the Jaguars could be tough because the Jaguars division is not good. Oh, and so they're probably there's a really good chance they sweep that division. And Lawrence is playing at a really high level. So they they could be in the hunt for that number one seed, especially with oh. the Bengals losing, the Bills down. Like, there's no question. Yeah. There's no yeah. question. I mean, if Jackson, you could cheese at home, you get the Bills on a neutral site game, it, which is technically in Buffalo, but it's in London in week five. Um, oh, no, if you're if you're looking at this whole thing, yeah, it's a, it's a nice setup here for Jacksonville. They also play the NFC South this year. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, 10 of your games, if you're Jacksonville, NFC South and six in the division. I will say I respect Tennessee enough. Like I think maybe there's a split there. It's a divisional game, and, and Vrabel's a really good coach. And, yeah, yeah, fine. But like, yeah, they should definitely sweep the Colts and the Texans, uh, and, yeah. and could sweep Tennessee for sure. Um, yeah, no, this is an important game for the Chiefs. You fall two back, and they've got the breaker with that schedule. You know, you could be looking at uh, going to Duval in January, which you know, unless you're the Chiefs, you're not going to fret. You know, you've won pretty big games in neutral sites, so you're not maybe too worried, but. Certainly a much tougher place to play for the Chiefs than Arrowhead. You'd much rather have the game at Arrowhead in the cold. So um, the, the Jags are – they're real. They're a real team. They're they are a contender, and, and they have to be treated as such. Yeah, man. The Jaguars got Pittsburgh. They looked absolutely atrocious. Not good. <laughs> it's it's uh, Not good. They, they, they do play the, the, the North, though. So, you know, they play the Bengals. The Browns look pretty, you know, serviceable on defense. Baltimore is always tough. So, but, but they get Carolina. Like, we'll see. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to our final score predictions for this one. Chiefs at Jaguars. What do you got for Iran? Uh, I'm going to, I think it's high score. I think it's going to hit the over. I don't even know what the over under is, but I think it's going to hit the over. Whatever it is, I think it's going to go higher than that. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to be pretty laser focused to win this game after what happened last week. I mean, how many times has Mahomes lost lost two games in a row in his career? I think it's happened twice. Yeah. Like it's it's pretty me three times. It's a pretty rare thing. Um, like at least I can think of three times off the top of my head. I mean, it doesn't happen a lot. Jones is back. Kelsey will probably be back. Um, I I think you I think you take the Chiefs. I take Jacksonville to cover thirty to twenty seven. I think it's a good game. I think it's a game where Mahomes is going to. Be Mahomes again, assuming the Kelsey's there. If Kelsey's not there, it changes things. Um, I just think the Chiefs are going to play a cleaner game. And I think Jacksonville and Detroit, look, I, I like Jacksonville better in the sense they have a better quarterback, but I think the talent level overall is pretty similar. Jacksonville has more talent on offense, Detroit has more talent on defense. Um, I like both coaches, although Peterson, of course, is a ring. I think the Chiefs find a way to win the game. I wouldn't be totally shocked if the Chiefs cover, they win like 35-24 or something. But I, I, I give Jacksonville that respect that I think it's very close, but I think the Chiefs find a way to win the game. Yeah, I'm with you. I got the Chiefs winning this one. Uh, I've got it t- Chiefs 27, Jacksonville 21. I think the Chiefs cover. I just think, you know, to what you said, 
the Mahomes doesn't lose two games in a row. And I think they're just going to come out. They just never got off the, they just never really got going on offense against the lines. It was just sluggish all night. It seemed like they were fighting and clawing for everything. Guys were dropping passes. I think they come out, you know, you'll see like a screen to Tony right off the bat. Then they'll go to Kelsey and then they'll just, I think once they get going, everybody will relax and that's going to be tough on, on Jacksonville. (laughs) I just, to like sometimes we analyze this stuff so much we almost get lost in the sauce with it. I respect Jacksonville a ton. I think Jacksonville is going to be a team that is there late in the playoffs. Like I, I absolutely feel that way. I also feel like the Chiefs are more talented defensively. They are a better offensive team with Kelsey there. They're better. I mean, with all due respect to Jacksonville. Kansas City's had the best offense in football the last five years running. There's a reason anywhere is 15. And special teams-wise, there's not too many teams trying out a better duo than Butker and, and Townsend. So, like, it's just hard. The Chiefs have – as great as Lawrence is, the Chiefs have the better quarterback. As, as good as Peterson is, the Chiefs have the better coach. Yeah. I get the games in Jacksonville, and I do respect that, but I, I think the Chiefs are just the better football team. I, the line reflects that. The three-and-a-half points favored in, in – in uh, Jacksonville, um, I think the Chiefs won the game. I think it's close. I think it's competitive. I think you sweat it out, but I think they won. Yeah, and most of the people in the chat seem to agree. Jerome says Chiefs 31-28. Uh, Chris Jones with a drive-ending sack. Wouldn't that be something? Um, Stacy says Chiefs 27-24. We do have some Jacksonville picks in here. I think we got some Jacksonville fans in here, as, as we sometimes do. Jags uh, 31, Chiefs 28 from G-Will. And there was one more uh, in there. I can't. Oh, uh, Elena's dad, Jacksonville 38, Chiefs 31. That's along the lines with what you were thinking, Verderam, which is Jags winning a shootout in the 30s. I just, I'm a big believer in this Chiefs defense this year. I think they're, I think they've got a chance to be really, really good. And I am especially heartened by their performance against the Detroit Lions when, they didn't have Chris Jones. So yeah, get the oxygen tanks ready, Kansas City trainers. Chris Jones is gonna be he's gonna need him over there on the on the sidelines after not going through camp. But uh, just oh. make sure he's fresh for the fourth quarter. Don't forget the heat for people that don't know, he trains down in Florida. That's where he trains all season. So he's and, and a lot of times just outdoor style. He's outside in Florida in the heat in the spring and the summer. So he's look, it's gonna be an interesting game. Um I just think in the end, the Chiefs are more talented. And, and, and frankly, I think they're more desperate in this game. I think there's going to be an urgency in this game that they they know. Like, look, do, do they have to win the game? No, they don't. I mean, they could lose this game and go 12-5. and five, But, like, if you win this game, you're feeling pretty good. You're one and one. You get the tiebreaker on Jacksonville. And you got a, you got a half dozen games coming up that you're not only going to be favored in most of them. You're going to be heavily favored. I mean, other than that Chargers game, and even that, you're going to be favored pretty decently. And you're going to be heavily favored in the other five games. Yeah. All right. Before we get out of here, it's time for Patty's Power Rankings. We asked our members, which, by the way, if you are interested in becoming a part of the Arrowhead Attic family, check out the link in the description. We've got a great Discord. We have a fantasy football league, which I dominated in week one. Um, it's a great time. We'll all be hanging out in the Discord watching Thursday Night Football tonight. If you want to support the cheese content that we bring you every week, you want to see more of Vertoram 
consider becoming a member um, and getting in on all this stuff. And sometimes we ask you for questions or ideas to our members. And we did that with our Ring of Honor members today for what should we rank at the end of the show. Um, and they said fast food restaurants. So national fast food change, your top three, Vertoram, lay them on me. What are your favorites? Fast food. Mm, excuse me. Um, you know, I don't go to a ton of fast food places. So, like, I, I'll tell you, out here in the Midwest, I got I got to give it up. Culver's is really good. Culver's is good. Yeah. Culver's is really good. Yeah. But number one's got to be Portillo's, which is another yeah. Midwestern staple. Mid, the Midwestern fast food joints have it on the East Coast places. Okay? Yeah. So, I go one, two, Portillo's, Culver's, but... If you think for one second I'm leaving out Taco Bell, yeah, you got nothing coming. Because let me yeah. tell you something: Taco Bell's there for you in a time of need, whether it be breakfast or fourth meal. They're yeah. there for you. Uh, although I would not get the breakfast because I feel like you're just physically something's going to be wrong with you by noon. Um, yeah. You'd be stapled to the uh, to the uh, facility there. You know, long no, way I, go. Yeah, I got to go. Look, Culver's is excellent with the cheese curds and the burger and Portillo's. Man, oh my god, they their their double cheeseburger with the sauce they have is just amazing. So, uh, I got to go. Those top, top three for me. Those those are good. Yeah, Culver's the the cement mixers. I mean, it's oh, just next level. Culver's is my number two. Um, number three is Taco Bell for me. Uh, I I still want them to bring back the the goddamn Mexi Melt. Uh, they did away with that. That was a tragedy. The, the, we got the Mexican pizza back. But yeah, Taco Bell, 4 a.m., 2 a.m., whenever you need it. Um, you can just get, you can get like, you know, you can get like a week's worth of food for like four fifty. It's incredible. You look, you it look is a beautiful turned. thing. What are, you, what are you reading there? Uh, I am just reading the amount of like, so I, that breaking news that I broke earlier about the NFL and they're going to be, you know, they sent out a, essentially a teaching tape and a, a warning, like look, they're going to be focused on us. The amount of Chiefs fans who have just been like, "This is a conspiracy against the Chiefs." <laughs> like, no, no, it's not. Yeah. Like they used Juwan Taylor, but they also used a lot of other players. Uh, they know it's a league wide issue. It is not just because of Juwan Taylor. Like the league's not trying to shut down the Chiefs. If you look at the mentions to that tweet, it's just unbelievable. And then, of course, it gets aggregated out, and other people have been like, report. Like, other Twitter accounts have not retweeted or quote tweeted it. They've just taken the information as their own, and then they just put, like, oh, per Matt Verderam. So they get like all the engagement for it, which is fine. But the amount of people who are just like, this is because of the Chiefs. Like, no, no, no. It's not like, guys, I hate to break through. There are 31 other teams in the league, and the NFL is not sitting there in Park Avenue trying to figure out how to stop the Chiefs. Like the Chiefs are really good for business. Yeah. Okay. The yeah. last thing Goodell's thinking of himself right now is let's get Zach Wilson to the Super Bowl. Like th- right. that doesn't exist. Right. Okay? Yeah. Like it's amazing how many Chiefs fans have fully convinced themselves on Twitter in my in my mentions right now that this is all because it benefits the Chiefs, and they've just they've gone. It's it's a bit much. Um, they're sitting just, there, they're in Park Avenue, saying we got to stop the face of our league, the most yes, popular at NFL all player. costs. Let's, right. you know, let's make sure that 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 we we stop the Chiefs. No, no, guys. Like, I've seen a lot of people be like, well, you know, it's because of Juwan Taylor and he's on the Chiefs. It's because the Chiefs play in prime time. That's why. Okay, yeah. narratives are normally driven off prime time games. Because everyone in the country sees them. All right. So the Chiefs, who 
play a lot of primetime games, when something happens with them, yes, that oftentimes drives some of the narrative. But it doesn't mean that the, the world's out to get the Chiefs. And it's a grand conspiracy. Like, it, it is amazing how many people legitimately convince themselves of stuff like that. Yeah, it's wild. Um, great comments in the chat on the fast food things. Uh, Wendy Spicy Nugs. Um, lots of lots of love for Taco Bell, though somebody somebody called it toxic hell. Look, my number one in this situation is Hardee's. Have you ever been to a Hardee's? I've not been to a Hardee's. I think it's like the same thing as Carl's Jr., yeah. which is like West yeah. Coast. Um, I don't see very many Hardee's anymore. But when I was growing up, a part of this is nostalgia. My old man and I, every Thursday, which was payday, my mom and my grandma would go shopping. My old man would take me out. We'd go out to eat, usually at Hardee's. All right. And then we'd run a movie and hang out together, spend some father-son time. It was great. Um, the Frisco melt at Hardee's. It's like 10,000 calories. But Good. my old man and I would go there and we'd both get Frisco melts and, uh, and milkshakes and dip our fries into them. Mm. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm going to die like 10 or 12 years before I would have if it wasn't for the Frisco melt. Yeah, Oh God, it's so damn good. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like I might like, I got to find a Hardee's. I got to see if there's one around here. You, you know, one that neither one of us said that really does deserve more credit is Dairy Queen. Yes, they flame broil those burgers. If you oh. go to a, a brazier, they call them. And I got to give it to the, the, the Dairy Queen. They they know what's right. Like they they mix up the the desserts. You know, they have like the different stuff throughout the course of uh, the year. Yeah. They do a nice job there. They do yeah. a nice job. Um, how much uh, Count Chocula have you eaten to this point? <laughs> I actually was going to ask you that. I have that on the outline. Um, I'm halfway through uh, my first family size box. I'm trying to ration it out because once October hits and it's Halloween season, I'm going to start going ham on it. Yeah. Um, and I've also been working my way through. I bought the Haunted Lucky Charms, which is kind of like a Count Chocula ripoff, but it's really good. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, some and one of our one of our listeners, um, I believe it was Kyle. Yeah, Kyle Vance sent me three boxes, family size of Count Chocula. So good, I'm good through like the first two weeks of of October. <laughs> With that, I mean, just we have the absolute best listeners. If somebody sends me something like that, like you're going to follow on Twitter, I might show up at your your son's wedding, you know, with with a great gift, like you you name it. You're not wrong to do that. I uh, yeah, I've got my second box and I'm almost through. Uh, I found that Meyer actually starts stocking Count Chocula in late August. Okay, and so uh, I now fully support Meyer. Yeah, in all things. Yeah, they have them all too. They have all the monster cereals at Meyer. They do. Yeah. Meyer around here is coming up clutch because I also like I'm a complete creature habit, and I eat a PB and J pretty much every day for lunch. That's just what I eat. Um, and I love Skippy makes this. First of all, creamy, not crunchy. You eat crunchy, you're you're go cereal killers. Okay, yeah, God, it's awful. Okay, peanut butter. I get the the, the creamy peanut butter, but they like put like the honey in it. Like there's like an infusion of honey, and there's no like it's not even like worse for you, like nutritional facts wise, so it's fine. Um, and I could not for the life of me find it. Like my local grocery store stopped carrying it, Target stopped carrying it, whatever, on down the line. And I went to Meyer because I, I got tipped off that the Count Chocula might be there for me. And so I went down there, and lo and behold, they also have that peanut butter. So now I'm, I'm completely team Meyer. 
Um, they also they got they got Sports Illustrated there. By the way, boom, football preview issue. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I mean they got everything. They got everything. So it, it's uh, it's my new favorite place, and uh, they, they've always got about thirty boxes count chocolate ready and uh, waiting. Meyer's good because they've got like they've got some of those extras that you need. Like they've got like the the filters I need for my furnace as well, yeah. and like some of the outdoor stuff. So and and it's right next to the Menards down here. So like oh, nice. I, it's just I'm 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 you know my bank account's completely drained because if I go to Menards I'm gonna go to Meyer and then it's just I've everything I could possibly need. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, man, uh, I'm excited. It was good to have you on. We're gonna have you. I think you're gonna be on for uh, for for a little bit on our post game show on, yep, uh, on on Sunday. You're gonna join us for that as well. So make sure you tune in. Um, this is the last show. Uh, well, tomorrow our guy Joe will have the betting show. So make sure you tune tune into that. Find out how you can make a little bit of money off the Chiefs and what other great promotions and deals that we have. But then on Sunday, we'll uh, I'll be here for the Chiefs pregame show, halftime show. Verteram, myself, Sterling Holmes. We'll be there uh, for, for the uh, post-game show. So we got all your bases covered. Um, and again, if you want to hang out with us tonight, watch Thursday Night Football, hang out in the Discord, consider uh, clicking that link in the description and supporting the show. Verteram, have a, a great football weekend. I hope you enjoy. Appreciate you coming on. And shout out to producer Richard as well for making sure this podcast runs smoothly. Um, Thank you to all our listeners, especially our members. We will see you guys on Sunday. But until then, as always, go Chiefs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.